Hey you guys, it's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. So happy to be in your ears right now. That's right, we're here on the Chase Travis Live show on Creative Live. I am so pumped for today's, of course I love all the guests we've had on here. I'm expressly pumped for today in part because of the human, but also because of where we go on in our conversation. It's a hell of a journey. Uh, you will know my guest because he is a writer, he's a stand-up comedian, and he's also an actor. You will know him specifically, I'm sorry I'm laughing, because he just he plays an amazing character on the HBO hit series, Silicon Valley. My guest is Thomas Middleditch. He plays Richard, that's right, the leading role. And what an amazing conversation we have. If you've ever felt, as I know we all have, let's be real, if you've ever felt fear, anxiety, stress about taking the next step in your career, you have to listen to this. this there's this amazing sort of undercurrent of comedy, but also of amazing sort of real, of just absolute accurate real context about what it's like to put yourself out there, to be a creator, to do something bold and to have it you know, fall on deaf ears. Also, the upside of wild success. Obviously, he's on one of the you know the biggest hit shows right now that HBO has, and it's just it's an amazing journey. We cover a ton of ground. So if you if you'd all like either Silicon Valley or specifically this journey that we've all shared, it's a must listen. We also cover topics super wide ranging from aviation, video games, the environment, what we should be doing to put ourselves out there more to protect ourselves in an industry like Hollywood that where you can be the hot thing today and then forgotten tomorrow and of course vice versa there's a lot of a lot of a lot of conversation in this episode about resiliency about self-belief about how you stay into the game even when it's tough i love this episode it's one of my favorite in recent history please just this is going to be an amazing episode. Stay tuned. Enjoy the show. Before we get into it, just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits. And today, Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Live classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Good day, sir. Enchanté. Yes. Et vous? Oui, toujours. Oh, uh, I finished all my French. I'm pretty close to the end of mine, too. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, 
So off camera, we were before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, off camera, we had a pretty lengthy diatribe. <laughs> yeah. I was getting into it. We were, we were. We were talking about Canada, though. They just yeah, changed yeah. their national anthem today, and you're Canadian. Yeah. What, what are your feelings? I think that's great. Yep, they I changed two great. words. Yeah, what are the two words? I know sons got turned into ours or us yep. or... Something like that. I just was just listening to the old NPR story. Yep. Uh, I think it's great, man. Anyway, you know, what are you going to... Why are you holding on to that? That's this, right. this is a perfect example of why humans hold on to stupid shit. Yep. You, you. If anyone's upset about it, they're like, it should be sons because that's what we want. A, the anthem has been changed over time before. Yes. But B, what if you're not a son? Now you're excluded from the anthem, and I know it's semantics, but it's important to other people. Right. And what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for the sexism? old world of sexism? Yeah. Right. You want. You do want gender But But Canada made the right decision today, right? I think it's great. Yes. In the face of all this bullshit that yep. we have here, yep. and a president who, who grows, his troll power goes stronger from dividing and saying stuff that's a bit, that ruffles your feathers and divisive and all this kind of stuff that you just have to shut out. There's this little country, not so little, second biggest in the world, uh, to the north that is kind of just being like, rocking it. Sorry, here, you know. You guys are crushing it. Yeah, well, we, it's a very courteous nation. It is. I mean, a lot of stereotypes are true. They're, they're very nice. There's, there's, there's this, uh, my critique of Canada is there's this sentiment. And it's, the, it's both the best thing about it, it's uh -huh. the best thing about it, but also the reason kind of why I like spending time in America, uh -huh. is there's this courteous, don't rock the boat mentality. Just yep. keep your head down and go to work and uh, right. you know, just do your thing. No tall poppies. Just no tall uh poppies, right? Yeah. But down here, everyone's like, get out of my way! That money's mine! <laughs> you know? I'll get all the money! Everyone You're pretty good to, at that. Actually. Everyone wants to be the money man. Uh, so Canada, check. Yeah. Covered Canada on the show here. Big His, bottle. Yeah, he's right making now. hundreds. Brought my own. Uh, <laughs> um, super glad to have you on the show. We've had Amanda Crew on the show Never before. Heard of her. Love her. <laughs> Never heard of her. Amanda, thank you for um, for the introduction and being the awesome human that you are. Congrats on the show. Thanks. Epic success. One of the biggest successes to come out of television since MASH. We are compared to MASH a lot too, which is, I think, weird. So, did you, did you think you were onto something before you started? Again, my, I'll just, I don't watch very much TV. So okay. my wife likes all the shows. Okay. She, she is, she is good at what watching What TV do you the, watch? I, the only show, this only is the Only show? Because oh, I the, have a few amount of shows, okay. but I, I don't, I have more than one. I, this is a confession, right? Okay. And I, I, the only show that I actually make sure to watch in the season, specifically, is Silicon Valley. And that's no bullshit, that's not ass kissing. I went, I, I was, I would say went, I have been invited to all the premieres just because I know some folks. Oh yeah, And uh, the line that you guys lined up on stage all just doing this, for 45 minutes in pure chaos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking good. Well, but, yeah. So, did you think that Silicon Valley was going to be a thing or did you when you started or No. No. I never think something that I'm a part of is going to be a thing. It's much safer to think like that. <laughs> you are in for a world of hurt in this business if everything you do you're like, I think I'm going to be The Rock Johnson after this. <laughs> who is, in my mind, I guess, the most famous. Yeah, but I think he's the highest paid. He's too. the highest paid. Mm -hmm. He's such big muscles. Yep. Um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, it, was, it, it came about so randomly, too. Uh, the tale goes, so, so says the legend, that I came here from New York to L.A. to work on an animated show, which I had sold to MTV under the tutelage of John Altschuler and Dave Krinsky, who have worked with Mike Judge on many a thing. And Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead was coming back to... MTV, so we were going to pair these together, and as my as uh, Dave Krinsky and John Altshuler were working with me on the show, they said, hey, we are working with Mike Judge on this new comedy show about programmers for HBO, and we think you'd be great for the lead, so we're going to write it with you in mind. I said, yeah, right, but sure enough, the script <laughs> came along, and Richard's character was initially called Thomas Pickering, which I told them was my mom's maiden name, Whoa. which is true, and... Is this lore? This is... Is this hearsay. A, okay, total hearsay. <laughs> it cannot be confirmed. Okay, okay. or not. And then uh, I still had to audition, but uh, you know I did have a leg up, and so so. But even in that, because it was that, your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even in that process, I thought this is all a joke, right? Because yeah. you never believe. You right. can't believe. Because this business is about here. Do you want cake? Yeah. And then they smash it in front of you. <laughs> Like, you fucking idiot. I was never going to give you that over cake. and over. Look at your face. You thought you were going to eat cake today. <laughs> idiot. That's what this business is. So you... you so even when you, I got it, when we're shooting it, I'm like, this, this no one's going to find this. No one's going to pay me. Yeah. This is going to be Mike Judge's flop somehow. Yeah. But no, turns out that's not the case. Turns out. People like it. Super good. And I shared just briefly. So I went to the original... Premiere, tell me if you remember it the same way I do, was actually in Palo Alto. True. Which is a very weird place to have a premiere. 100, but fitting. Okay, so the people, um, I'm, I also have a startup in Silicon Valley, oh. so I got it to be a part what of that a thing. Mm -hmm, there we go. Dorkazoid. So in the audience, nice, in the audience were most, not most, a lot of the people that you make fun of, of in the series were yes. actual guests and it was a very small audience. I remember we were seated at little at Elon little Musk tables. Was there. Yes, Elon was there. I think Peter was there, Peter Thiel. Um, it was yeah, I was like hanging with the peeps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was probably the dirtiest dirtbag invited. Yeah, However but you are a notorious scumbag. When and Mike came out before he was like, hey I don't know how you guys are gonna take this. I hope you love it. <laughs> what I was watching was LA and and Silicon Valley get smashed together. Oh, yeah. There was a red carpet with step and repeat and no one from from San Francisco knew, knew what to do. Yes. For those of you who don't know, step and repeat is that wall with all the logos on it where you take pictures like this. And they call it a step and repeat is because you step into something and then you maybe had an interview or take some photos and you step and repeat. For step the next repeat. network or the next camera yeah, or whatever. The next thing. So, and all those things, those clips that you see of people, it's a good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get asked the same questions and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just sounds like that. So this is happening, it's but terrible. it's happening in, in San Francisco and even Palo Alto is a teeny little, like very expensive suburb. Mm. And no one knew, like, what is this thing? What to do? I watched mm -hmm. all these people not know how to behave. And it was quite funny. And then Mike takes the stage. Yes and says, I don't know, I hope you guys like it, you know, there's a lot of, and I remembered, then you played two episodes. Correct. And then there was a Q&A with you guys afterwards. Correct. And then after the after, mm -hmm. they were interviewing, Alon, what do you think? Peter Thiel, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, these guys, we really are out to change the world, we don't, and I was like, you guys, mm -hmm. if they're making fun of you, that means it's working. This mm -hmm. is like, that you, you celebrate when people tease and, and make fun. And they were literally like sort of heartbroken a little bit that you guys made fun of Silicon Valley. For, yeah, you know, uh, that's worn off now. 
Yes. And now they're like, I think they're all on board. If you've seen me, I got a, uh, yeah. I got a cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's far enough. Uh, you know, at one point we were the new kid on the block, but. But look, I, I give Silicon Valley some credit because some, I mean, like turning most cars into electric cars is changing the world, yes. you know, or whatever. Yes. You know, I'm now investing in the old SV2, in the old, mm. in the world of tech. Ooh, you're an angel. <clears throat> I'm an angel. And so I think you know some things are trying to change the world, but it's 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 funny when it that's earnestly applied to things like you know, payments, social media, or. I mean, that is changing the world, but I would argue for the worse. Right. Uh, or, you know, we do a joke on it, but I can't remember. It was like, we are, ch we are making the world a better place through, like, subliminal hard drive reacquisition of data via the cloud or something. You know, it's That's like nonsense. That's actually the opening of season one yeah, when yeah. the Kid at Rock. At the party, yes, at Kid Rock. I've been at, to 100 of those parties. They're Kid fun. Rock performs and no one's like, they're not even paying attention to Kid, yeah. Kid Rock is just like, gets, just stops and walks off stage <laughs> and the party doesn't change at all. No. Um, it was paid handsomely, I'm sure, at the, that time. But, sure. And so, for our show, too. Mm -hmm. He really got, got away with it. <sighs> so you didn't think it was going to be, well, you're, you're like professionally skeptical. Naturally. Which is probably a self-preservation. But here you are. Here I am, it, king of the world. It took over, it took yeah, off. Downtown LA, doing a <laughs> here we go. three camera shoot. That's right. With someone what, I just met. What? <laughs> Tell me, yeah, that's like, how, is it weird? Like you have to do a bunch of stuff and this isn't, you know, required by any stretch, but what part of it is, you know, are the parts that you love? Because I think if anyone's watching from outside, they're like, oh my God, you made it. Oh, right, everything's right, cool. Right. So what parts of it do you love and what parts of it don't you love? Well, perspective, Changes, pre and post uh, fame. Even though I would call my, I can't imagine what it's like for uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, for sure. example, where wherever he goes, he has to have an entourage of security and handlers and stuff like that because it's too much of a splash for him to just walk down the street. Yeah. Um, so at my level, it's 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 functionable, but you kind of just get reminded of it from time to time. Um, it, it, it is weird. I felt like I was being groomed a little bit for it because I would do comedy, live comedy, and occasionally someone would be, come up to me like, oh, I saw you at UCB last Saturday. So funny, dude. And, you know, yeah. and that's great, right? Yeah, you right. practice being earnestly gracious, yeah. which is so weird to say, but that's like a thing that you actually have to do because I remember going up to people that I like and being like, I like your work. And if it was anything less than, thank you so much, if it was just like, thanks, man, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> but even though like he's not, yeah. even that person's totally fine. They're doing their own thing. Yeah. But it's so weird. It leaves you with this bizarre taste in your mouth, so I try to make a habit of saying at least thank you, and yes. then I say, no, get the fuck out of here, you fucking <laughs> squirrel, you goddamn cockroach, and then I go back to knitting silk. Um, how? Uh, anyway, uh, but so there's, there's just change, it's like the idea, I get, I get why Britney Spears shaved her head, in the sense that, or and because again, hers was dialed up, but like yeah. I've had a microcosm of just the idea of walking around and being known, being spotted, yep. being this, and not being spotted. You walk by someone and they just take out their phone. You think they're maybe taking out the phone and be like, who is that again? I yeah. just saw, what's his name? I saw, or they're just taking out their phone. Yeah. They're doing a text and you're like, I got spotted. And yeah. it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But it turns you into a bit of like a cuckoo, a cuckoo cake, a cuckoo caca, <laughs> a dum dum. It's just, it's it's weird. There are like privileges, privileges and perks, and there's also a weird thing like, 
I've learned that Verizon is polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> You're responsible for net neutrality. I'm Thomas. responsible for net neutrality. Nothing to do with the recent election. It's all me. And I've also learned that people are very tribal about their telecommunications <laughs> providers. So like people will troll my comments feed on Instagram, which is the only thing I have anymore, and just be like, fuck you, Sprint. And I'm like, why do you care? <laughs> Fucking Cricket Mobile, Cricket Wireless. Who, why are you passionate about well, go, that? Well, go to the things that you love about the thing that you've created with a handful of other talented people. I think it's, a, it's yeah. an amazing series. And I, again, I feel like I've lived the shit that you guys, the, the right, storylines. Right, right. mm. Painful. That's you, that's you, a credit to the writers yeah. and Alec Burke, who's now yeah. the showrunner. Alec Burke is the unsung hero of this show. And you guys have some. You do. You have some consultants. Some we have consultants. Yes. We want to try and every time that I've been told I'm not allowed in the writers' room, mm -hmm. mainly because I smell on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my butt as a power move. Um, but <laughs> I'm told that whenever they're sort of stumped, you know, for what to happen, the solution is always what would really happen. Like what would what. Yeah. yeah. So they mine their consultants for stories or plausible ways out to the little box that they've written themselves into. Yeah. So. Uh, but what do you love about it? it clearly, like it's created. Uh, you, do you love the story? Do you love like uh, the, the craft? Like what? what well, is it? okay. I'll say this because we'll, I'll try and I'll try and attach it also to other things from that initial question. Mm -hmm. For anybody look on the bottom looking up, the anxiety about your life in entertainment never goes away before you're on the bottom looking up saying, when will it happen to me? And when you get uh, above water, you're like, when will this go away? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but it, Out of a fear, right? Not like I hate it, but like it's gonna, it's just temporary, it's Both, fleeting. man. Yeah. There are days when you have to remind yourself that this, that this work has to be work sometimes yeah. and it can't always Remember be why you started. super yeah. fun. Yeah. It can't always be playtime with pals. Like some days are work. Some days like some projects, some things are just hard yeah. or, or, or compromising or, you know, decisions are financially based mm -hmm. as opposed to anything else, you know? Mm -hmm. Some things are just weird yeah. and you just gotta go, this is part of the gig. Or pull a Daniel Day and be a cobbler. There's always to do it. I don't know if he's, I mean, but then there's also, you get exhausted. Like I'm, I'm at a weird point where I'm like, I still want to act and I'll definitely perform comedy until I can't, until my brain is addled yeah. because of all the MDMA I take. But, um, I, you know, I'm sort of like, I would like to try behind the camera stuff. I would like to try maybe directing or def I definitely want to get back into writing and creating and stuff like that. So it's, it's just weird. But the show in itself is great. Yeah. It is, I feel like I went to Vegas and rolled sixes. Is that a thing? I think it's... On craps? How do you get a craps? Seven on the first go. That's yeah, how you win. Right. And then if you roll after that, then you're That's craps. Done. Right. I walked by a craps table and as someone <laughs> was... I was just walking by. I was someone who was rolling. I went craps only because I was like, that's a craps table. Yeah. Then he rolled it and it came up craps. And you and were everyone Satan. lost their money and people turn around and one woman said, you can't say that. What the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oops. Just identifying the game. <laughs> so embarrassing. Noticing from ten feet away that you were playing a game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's not the word to say. Yeah, yeah. There's so many other words you could say. Oh, a dice, so you went a to, dice base game. You of went chance. to Vegas and you won. Yeah, I mean, not only am I finally working on a show, it's on HBO, which has been a bucket list of mine. Um, Mike Judge, Alec Berg, these are the people who are in charge. Um, uh, I work with. 
comedians and actors that some of them I've known for over 10 years. Actually, wow. the, one of the writers, this guy Graham Wagner, I, I worked with him in Canada and Toronto doing like underground sketch comedy. You know, it's just, it, it, I say that not as a slight to anything else, but sometimes you're on a comedy and, and you're with people who are maybe there just because they have timing, and that's great, that's awesome. Yeah. But I, you know, I perform with some of these guys. Yeah. It's cool. That's great. That's a very fortunate situation. Um, and, and fortunately, people like it. And yeah. HBO's kind to us. And they're very flexible, and they're good, and it's a great schedule, and we can pursue other things in the rest of the year. It's a very, very good gig. Yeah. I don't think I'll have another gig on television like as good as this. So clearly you don't take it for granted just by no. the words you're saying. And no. is that the I, right I, MO, you think, for, is it? And I think, think that's pretty it. important. Yeah, think I have to just, remind myself of that sometimes. Okay, though. yeah, in, in your world, and I think that's, I'm always trying to take the examples that you're, you're giving or any guest, and like, it's so weird, there's some pretty common themes. Like this thing that you have right now, whatever it is, be grateful because you don't know what the other side of that same coin is. Yeah. And specifically in Hollywood, I got to think that with the few, the, num the, the, just the odds, it's got to be tough. You are always looking over your shoulder. That's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, you try and stay in your lane and run your own race and not look at who so-and-so is doing and this and that. It's, it's impossible. And even if you, even if tomorrow I was suddenly the lead of a crazy Marvel movie, say I'm the next yeah. Spider-Man, I would be like, that would, in the middle of filming, I'd be like, yeah, but when am I gonna, finally work with Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. What is this? Is it, you know, I, right. you'd find something wrong, you'd look to the next thing and you'd want that. It's such a business of coveting. And, yeah. Cause it's not, it's not a thing where you just show up to work every day and kind of that it's allotted, yeah. which sometimes I crave, you right. know? But also at the same time, at least the anxiety brings a sort of dynamicism that yeah. <laughs> shakes up life, I suppose. Yeah. But it's an interesting it's an interesting world. That's why a lot of actors and, and whatnot and people in this business have various different hobbies or other things that brings them that bring them passion. That's that's what I've learned to do. For me, it's like environmental activism and being a pilot. I'm a private pilot, so uh, which sometimes don't go hand in hand. <laughs> I do carbon offset. <laughs> I do. I plant trees as a result. But I yeah, fly gliders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So you know, I don't know. No, that's cool. Uh, I want to touch on those two things. Uh, I want to uh, take a little right turn into comedy. Yeah, just a second. So please. Right before you were here, uh, we recorded with Eugene Merman. He said his hi. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I'm infatuated with comedy uh, because of its in the moment. I think the concept of um, improv is like improv as a sport or as training. I think it's mm. an incredible skill. Um, yeah. What got you interested in it? And is that, you know, was it comedy and performing on stage at comedy clubs that got you into, into um, acting in Hollywood? What was, the, what was your path and specifically connected to comedy? Well, uh, I was very fortunate. Well, I mean, in eighth grade, I had a drama teacher. I always say, I, I've always said if I ever win an award, I'll thank him, but uh, looks like I'm not gonna win one. Uh, no, but uh, I'd always thank my, my, the very first drama teacher I got, which was Ken Wilson in, in middle school, eighth grade. He just saw me, I think he saw like a weird, slightly ostracized kid. He didn't know to the extent of my bullying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I bullied other kids. Uh, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked him up, man. All those gays. Uh, jocks. That was, that was, yeah, all those jocks. <laughs> 
I recently I was like talking to a friend who I grew up with, and he he's got a kid that goes to the same school that we go. And he goes, you know, like gay isn't an insult anymore. I was like, what? That was like the big thing as a teen. You can't get called gay, and the first thing you call, they're like, no, they're all super accepting. I'm like, god damn it, that'd have been great. Wouldn't that have been great? I hate that teenage mind. Yeah. Gay. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's how brains work, I guess. Um, uh, that was a, that's a good thing to talk about on a show. How brains work. No, yeah. just like, remember getting called gay? Anyway. <laughs> well, so if you were bullied and you're, yeah, you're so tighter, like, you're... you're... The guy, yeah, he saw something, so then he put me in a play, and I just had a great time. I was very fortunate to, to, of all the small towns to be, to have grown up in, in Canada. I was, grew up in a very artsy, weirdo town. A.K.A. Nelson. A.K.A. Nelson. A lot of hippies, a lot of, a lot of pot smoke, a lot of raves. <laughs> Been to a fair amount of raves. I know what jungle and drum and bass is. Um, <clears throat> and uh, th there was also, so there's a lot of like school theater that was possible, and a lot of community theater that was possible, so it's definitely involved in that. And we also had a short form improv troupe that we kind of made. And in Canada, there's something called theater sports, which is like comedy sports here. It's, it's like teams of short form games, and there's a ref, and they have rules and stuff like that. And, you know, we would compete. Regionally is this decidedly Canadian? Like, I think it's Canadian. Yeah, it's what I happens don't... when you have like well-funded public schools. Is wow. that like there's uh, arts? <laughs> there's arts. Surprise! Yeah, and like you can interconnect them and yeah. have all that kind of stuff. To say that in America there aren't you know school plays and drama festivals of some sure. kind, um, but I mean so maybe it's not like that in every Canadian but town. But it wasn't where I was. Competitive comedy. Competitive basically. comedy, competitive theater too. Okay. Um, but also super supportive. I mean, it's like that age group where you, if you get up on stage, people are like stomping the ground to be yeah. like, you did it, yeah. right? Because um, we, you know, that's all the, the the drama, drama geeks part. Anyway, and it, so Ken Wilson got me into that, and that kind of that kind of gave all that weirdness focus. And I also you got positive reinforcement because now that people thought of me as the funny guy, as the actor guy. I'm, within the end of that year, I was friends with all the kids that were bullying me, which at, in eighth grade, you're like, I don't care. Thank yeah, you for accepting. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll totally, yeah. hey, water under the bridge. <laughs> I'll forgive it, yeah. I'll forgive you. You know what, you were right, I was gay. <laughs> when you punched me in the <laughs> I was face. acting like a real queer boss, <laughs> but now I'm not anymore. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but then, you know, that, that translated into, you know, trying to maybe pursue theater in a more earnest way. Went to theater school, dropped out because I actually ended up meeting people that were just doing comedy. And I thought, oh, you don't have to go to school. You just go do it. Because yep. you know, you're in a small town. You go to your guidance counselor. They're like, how do I be like kids in the hall? They're like, go to college. Right. That's the answer to everything, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. Turns out that's not true. Uh -huh. You can just go do it. And, um, yeah. So went to Toronto, went to Chicago. I think you know, yeah. I, I don't know where. How much? How detailed do you want this to be? I want personal stories. I like. I like. To me, let's focus on the going from bullied to not. And mm. clearly, you didn't transform as a person. But was it like a blossom? Like you found a thing that you connected with? So it was it's about like, you and your identity was very clear? Or was it a lack of identity? Like what was it? I don't it? know, you know, it's like a psychological, psychological experiment. I think it's like maybe permission by your peers to be weird. Yeah. Because I was always, you know, always weird, um, but, but not accepted as that. But then when you're kind of like, when it's expected and when people have approved of your weirdness, then it's suddenly celebrated. I mean, I ended, 
I wasn't even really part of like social cliques. I had, by the end of it, I was kind of at least chums with most everybody. And it, it, in 12th grade at my school, valedictorian was kind of like a vote. So it was kind of like a popularity thing. You're looking at the oh, year yeah. 2000 valedictorian at really? uh, LV, LV Rogers. Y2K? Yeah, Y2K. Wow, that's once in a, in a thousand years. Yeah. Um, which is you know ridiculous. But at, you know, to show you that sort of you, as soon as you're you're allowed to be the class clown, that's what you were. But my comedy was never really all that refined. But did you? Do I mean, up, up until a certain point, I was like, like I'm going to be Jim Carrey. So did you I'm do like, something? Yeah. But did you do something in order to sort of snap into that? Was it a mental state, or did it just happen? Were you cultivating, or was it subconsciously? I like, think it's I think because there's a bazillion people who are listening. They're like, I need to figure out my place in the universe. It's a, it, I think it's a collection of subtle social exchanges. At that level, at that age, yeah. in, 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 in that demographic, you're talking about junior high or high school even, or maybe even earlier. I mean, I don't know if that could have come before. I don't yeah. know if I'd have just made these realizations when I was fourth grade. I could have saved myself years of torment. I have yeah. no idea. I wish I could give you the answer yeah. to sort of like, here's how you skirt out of being, being bullied. bullied. Um, it sucked, but it's not like I wish, I, I'm glad it happened, but it certainly taught me some things about life. Of yeah. like, I never want to do that to other people, and I hate, it. I hate seeing it, and I don't, want, I don't like it when people do that, or corporations, or entities. I, it's, it's unsettling to yeah. me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an exchange of, it's like, I, I, very, I very specifically remember a moment being in that, for, in that one play, and that, uh, which is, you know, like it's a it's a play that I'm sure no one's ever heard. It's called I'm a Fool. I'm sure no one's ever heard of it because it's a play a public school can afford to like get the rights to if they even have rights right. that you pay for, right? But in the beginning of it, there's this little exchange that me and the and the, and the, the director, aka uh, the drama teacher, sort of uh, worked on, where I like peek out the curtain, get scared by the audience, do this whole like physical bit, and you know, supportive middle school to high school drama geeks loved it, you know, and the exchange of laughter, reaction, I do this, I get this response. I remember very specifically the very first moment looking out, get surprised, laughter, sitting there, you know, behind the curtain before I go back again, being like, what was that? Yeah, that was crazy. Buzz. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, tingling, craziness. Um, and I had been in little things before, but it's like never, it never was that. And uh, I think that clicks something within me, you know, within my own mind of, oh, I have the ability. Yeah. Oh, I can do this. Oh, as long as it's in a situation where like, it's a performance now, it's okay. You're like, I can fall on my face and that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to something to be ridiculed because it's part of the thing, whatever. Uh, there's a confidence and then the, the word gets out. Oh, you know who's funny, this guy, you know? And it's, you know. <laughs> I guess I say it's like a series of little exchanges that sort of happen um, because it, and I, I, you may be able to argue that it happens even in adult life, you know, where someone's like, I'm pretty wacky and they think they're pretty funny, but the exchange hasn't happened and it's not agreed upon. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of being a funny person, they're actually kind of an obnoxious person. Yeah. And speaking as a, a post school, I've had to comedically break into Toronto, Chicago, New York, and LA, all those different scenes. Each one progressively a tiny little bit more leg up, but you know, like having to prove myself 
in various right. improv and stand-up communities. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to start over again. And that's the thing. It's like people can hear that you're good, but you have to show them. And they're not going to just give you the chance just right off the bat. You always have to prove yourself. And the big thing is, I think the thing that falls under the moxie category, not the talent, not the looks, not the genes, but the moxie category, is not letting that intimidate you. The idea of like just accepting it, that's how it goes, and welcoming the challenge almost. Yeah. Over the years, I've looked at auditions in a totally different way. I used to dread them and hate them, and I, it's not like they're not my favorite thing, but instead of just sabotaging myself by under-preparing and this, that, now I view them as kind of like it's the buzzer beater shot, like this is clutch time, and I'm, I'm good enough to win it at the buzzer beater, right? I'm, I, I, you know, you have a little bit of success in that, and you're kind of like, great, and you view them as a challenge, and I'm going to beat the challenge. Yeah. It's such a different outlook, and it helps so much. So I don't know. You can't get phased by adversity in, in entertainment. I, you could probably believe that in other industries as well. Sure. In fact, you probably have to welcome it. <clears throat> and... Uh, I don't know. Was there anything that flipped in you? I mean, or sorry, clearly something flipped, but is there, what do you ascribe to the flipping? Or is it just maturity? Or did you make a conscious decision like, this is what I want to do? Like, I'm big about sort of setting intention. And if you don't, you're sort of like corking the tide. And that's a tough wow. place to be. Wow, a couple of things to that. Well, yeah, I think in this business, you have to have a, a little, maybe a little or a healthy dose of delusion when you're first starting out. Yeah. I'm a big, adversary of delusion <laughs> like I don't like religion I don't like all these things that alter what the reality is however if you're the little guy looking up at this huge mountain to be a, a working actor or dare, dare you say even a famous actor or a famous comedian or you want to be known and recognized for whatever the cool thing you want to do that's very difficult there's a lot of other people that want to do that a lot of people that are maybe worse than you but or different than you, but are ahead, whatever, right? Yeah. There's just this- Constructs of all that stuff. Yeah. There's obstructions. So you have to look at the odds when C-3PO is telling Han Solo the odds. Mm -hmm. Never tell me the odds, right? You don't, you, that, you're oblivious to them, and you think even if it's a million to one, you're the one, right? And throughout time, that confidence <laughs> gets chipped away yeah. into the reverse. Um, but, but when you're starting out, you know, that's kind of what you need. Uh, it's just that that delusion a bit. It's what helped me go from small town in Canada, just like packing my bags to Toronto, packing my bags to Chicago. Initially coming in as a, an illegal. Um, uh oh, see, we need to build that wall on the other side. That's right, danger. And uh, freaks like me coming in, taking your jabs. Um, so when you go yes. from and then bigger, New York and those yeah, you have so you to go bigger that. to market and bigger markets. Was it the same? Like certainly you have to prove yourself at each one of those things. Oh, but confidence immediately. Ch I mean, look. When I went from Toronto to Chicago. By the way, in Toronto, I, did, I was not accepted into Second City, and I was like arrogantly furious with them, like they're wrong. And then I auditioned to Second City in Chicago, and I got in, and I was like, cool, I'm moving to Chicago, I'll be on the main stage in maybe six months, and probably on SNL within a year, easy. Like I thought that was 100% guaranteed. Naturally, that did not happen. I eventually did test for SNL, but that was quite some years later, and I did not get on the show. I was going to say, I don't know as you from evidence, SNL. Yeah, <laughs> as evidenced by the old IMDb page. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, you know, humility is a big, a big thing. 
And not only did those things not happen and various elements of success took a lot longer to happen, uh, but I even, I was, I, I, I guess in hindsight, I was quite the, the arrogant little prick because at one point, one of the imp improvisers at IO, Improv Olympic, sat me down and was like, you know, it's not good to be an asshole. And you know, this, give me this big story. And I watched with me like, fuck you, what do you know? And then, you know, Epiphany. Like, mm -hmm. No, no, a week. You know, epiphany. You have to look. You know, yeah. being a good human is about looking inwards and having hindsight and, and I don't know perception. So you know, I did try and take that lesson to heart. Uh, yeah, but you connected the dots. You went from from Toronto to Chicago, Chicago, New York. New York, and I tell you, in New York, that was the biggest dip I've ever had in confidence because. I went there because I got like a holding deal. You know, for people who don't know, holding deal is essentially in a network like pays money to be like, you're only going to audition for us this season. Mm -hmm. um, that's one way of it. Uh, so that's I got a holding deal, and then this, the the season that I moved there, there was a writer strike. So I got my money, but I didn't do anything, and I was I was just completely unemployed, and honestly took a babysitting job just to have something to do, and I had no friends, and I wasn't involved at UCB at that time, so I was just doing. My only friend was this two-year-old little girl and her mom, and I would occasionally go to these underground comedy spots and do very like Kaufman-esque alienating comedy that I was like, I think I'm doing something cool, but most people aren't laughing. And that was it, and I was going absolutely crazy, and New York's one of those towns where some people go there and they're like, it's a hell of a town, here I am, my home, finally, and they yes. have a cigarette oh, extender. Yeah. And <laughs> I was not that, I was like, it's so much, there's people everywhere and I don't know anyone. And when you're lonely, that constant reminder of like, get out of my way, prick. It's, you know, it's a real, yeah, it's a real kicker. And I, you know, I had like, that was when I first started having anxiety attacks. I'd be calling my mom, crying and stuff. And you know, there's been many times throughout the year of contemplating not, not doing this anymore, yeah. trying to do something else and all that kind of stuff. But serendipity and, and serendipity has a way of of potentially coaxing you back onto the path, but I have my own philosophy about that if we want to get yeah, into it. Yeah, we do, we do, that's why we're here. Okay. Yes, you better sip I need, some I need water. A, I need a hit of this. Sparkling San, water is an, as, San as a evidence of my <laughs> looming fame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's got the whole as bottle, a, I only a, got a glass. Yeah, and I'm not gonna give you any more. No, oh, yes, I'd like one, please. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, the, the philosophy, to be clear, where we're about to go is your philosophy on serendipity. Well, sure, yeah, okay. So there are things you can't control, right? Mm -hmm. You can't control your looks, and that sucks. The weather. Yeah, but in terms of your career, right, in this mm -hmm. thing, in any of this thing. You can't control it. Well, you can control the looks, but I guess you have to spend money on it. Um, but say you didn't want to. Sadly enough, you know, like, that matters, casting, whatever. Like, if you're fucked up, it's going to be harder to look, harder to be a lead. Not impossible, mm -hmm. but you may be the hunchback when they finally do the Notre Dame. I, I just, it sucks. That's what it is. That's, that's the best, kid. If that fucks you up, yeah. if you're like, fuck that guy, you're not in the right business. Okay. Right? You have to look at it objectively. Um, so the, and I don't say that as someone who considers themselves a very handsome man. <laughs> well, believe you me. So there's things you can't control. There's talent which I do believe is natural, but cultivated. And then there's uh, gumption, which is an acquired skill, but inherent. 
And then there's serendipity. Now serendipity is, I don't, this is from someone who doesn't subscribe to fate. I don't think there's preordained destiny. I don't think our lives are being writ in the cosmos. We are random things. And all that happens is a consequence of things that happened before it. So how do you deal with that? So serendipity is essentially, it's essentially a fancy word more or less for coincidence, I would say. But you, so there's this unknown thing that happens. Uh, and I think you increase the odds of the good things happening with your gumptions, to give you an example. From Chicago to New York, I was contemplating going back to Canada doing something else because I was like, I like improv, I love doing it here. People, people have liked my improv, you know, I think this career is about getting breadcrumbs. If you stop getting breadcrumbs, you're like, am I maybe not doing the right thing? I was getting breadcrumbs, but it was to what end? Like, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm like an illegal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just got my visa, but like that only pertains to one job. When you, when you get a visa, you, you can only do the one thing. And if it's not enough money, you're like, is this really what I'm gonna like live like? This is hard. Um, so what am I gonna do? And then Second City had these, this is kind of like a long story. Is this no, too much? no, this is, why, this is why we're here, man. Okay. But let me know if it's boring. <laughs> I tend, no. I tend to be boring. No. Okay, you're a comedian. Mm, yeah, but I'm not being funny. Okay, so, so Second City was, had this contract with Norwegian Cruise Lines, where they would, they had their Second City act on these cruise ships, right? I, I see where you're going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I took, I took one of those gigs, a to have that experience, and I'm so glad I did. Four months at sea, one of the most absolutely surreal experiences, and we can just talk about that for for a bit. Debaucherous, weird, surreal, lonely, happy. It's, it was, it was bonkers. I've since contemplated, like, God, that'd be cool to do like another four months, but you can't, I can't. Good premise for a show, maybe. I've, yes. No, I mean, no, no, bad. Don't, don't write that. Here we go. If they beat me to it, what are you gonna yeah. do? Um, so you're at sea. I'm at sea. And so I, I start being at sea. The first week I'm at sea, the rumor is Lauren Michaels and uh, Seth Myers are coming to Chicago to, to see people that would maybe be on SNL. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm stuck here <laughs> on this fucking thing? Are you fucking kidding me? So I make a huge stink to the annoyance of anyone who's in, who was in, uh, in charge of Second City at that time, Beth Kuckerman, thank you. Uh, and they agreed to like figure out a schedule where I could fly myself out. So I like flew from Bermuda back to Chicago, was on a few shows that they saw and did, did all this kind of stuff. Uh, okay, as it all happened, this all that is, it's stagnant for so long until the four months that I'm away on a cruise ship. So as that's happening, a manager, Kirsten Ames, who's now my manager, was looking for kind of funny weirdos to be a part of like a Sierra Mist campaign and asked Beth Clickerman at Second City, hey, do you know anyone who's like generating content? And this is before YouTube was a thing. No one had like fucking channels and stuff. And I had a bunch of shorts that were on there directed by Jordan Vote Roberts, who just did Skull Island, mm -hmm. and uh, TJ Miller. Um, and 
and maybe a couple other, com you know, Chicago comedians. And we would stay up till four in the morning doing these shorts because we all had day jobs and we just were like, we had to hustle. We had to have the work ethic. We had to make stuff. And we, we did shorts with dead pigs. There's a, there's, there's a, we, all I can say is I dumped a dead pig body in a dumpster at one point. <sighs> that sticks with me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, she asked that, hey, who's doing stuff? My name comes up because it just so happens I'm doing stuff like that, yes. right? And then she f sees my things and goes, oh yeah, this, this kid is. is. So then I, again, I like land at New York, I walk off the boat, meet with her. Hey, do you want to sign with me? Yes, I'd love to. Uh, great, let me get all these, let me get an agent for you, cool. Um, got a new agent, this was at William Morris before it came at William Morris Endeavor, to prove that the agent, to prove that I'd just done a good move by signing to this agency. I'm now, he, he needs to prove himself, right? That's what always happens when you sign with an agent, they go, all right, and suddenly you've got like four months of shit to do, right? Yeah. When you're, but that's just so they can be like, look how big we did, news we yeah, are. Yeah, we did, we did big stuff real yeah, quick. Yeah, look, look how crush city we are. Um, but he's in, he was in, in Fred's great, so I'm not, I'm not taking him down. Um, anywho, so that's all happening in between I'm preparing to get to test for SNL, because like, I guess they like me, they want to bring me on, they want me to audition, like really audition. So I'm on the cruise ship working on my stuff, showing my friends these character auditions, and they're like, it's good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I think, I'm, I'm like, you're wrong, I know it's, and, and, and whatever. Of course, I'm, I'm always right. Uh, and then, uh, what am I trying to say? Okay, so. I go off the boat, I go audition, I go test for SNL. They're all, it's such a bizarre process. Here's the summary. They come to you, they say, people aren't gonna laugh, don't take that personally, and then they keep you waiting for a while and you go on. And some people come off being like, Oof, oh my God, that was tough. Yeah. I had a great time. People laughed, I had a fun time. Someone was like, stay by the phone. It didn't happen, but like, it's a bizarre experience. It's tense, it's weird, you see people break, yeah. and um, also uh, it's a bizarre situation where you're like, here's this character, you do it, here's this another character, and usually it's happening to people who are kinda relatively young in their comedy careers, yeah. so it's all that more scary. Yeah. Anywho, the agent, gotten by just doing shorts, remember, see all the things that beget yep. the things? Yep. Now he's proving to himself, that, to me, that he's a good agent. He, in the overnight that I'm there to test for SNL before I have to go back on the ship, he sets up a bunch of general meetings where you just go into these casting directors, ABC, CBS, whatever, and meet them. Yeah, you're like, I'm this guy. I'm this guy. I'm this They're party. usually very dull, very inconsequential, it feels like, and you chit chat about nothing, and then you go home and you go like, why did I walk, why did I hoof it out there? That was so stupid. But I just happen to have this skateboard helmet attached to my bag, which is part of the costume piece for auditioning for one of my characters in the SNL audition. Every single one. What's that? I go, oh, it's my, uh, it's my thing. And for some reason, because I thought the SNL thing went so well, I was in super confidence mode, and I was like, I want me to do my characters and impressions for you right now. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Which, taken in another light, that could have been so awkward. That yeah. could have been such a fail. But it wasn't. It was, they loved it. They were, they were like, oh my God, wait, stop. I'm going to record it. And then, I, you know, and that's how I got that holding deal that brought me from Chicago to New York City. Wow. Point is, you just have to do. The doers, you can't stop them from doing. They make things. But you don't, you almost don't make it for the, you make it to make it. And what comes out of it is the serendipitous element. Does that make sense? For, for sure. You don't do the work, there's zero chance. If you do the work, you still might fail. But if you don't do it work, there's 
literally no chance of you getting anywhere. Exactly. And there's no point, there's no harm in saying, I'm going to do this work because there's an angle and that's a thing that people would want to see. That's fine. That's very tactical. That's yeah. great. But the fact is you're doing it, right? There's a lot of people, especially when I was starting out, I was surrounded with a lot of people who would lament that nothing's happening, right? Now, now things are different. Now I'm rubbing elbows with fancy fucks. <laughs> I exclusively have a celebrity bottom line that I hang out with. Um, no, I'm joking, but <laughs> I want to make that yeah, clear. You make, make it clear, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be crystal clear. <clears throat> what are these? Mm -hmm. SLRs? That's right. Hundreds. Uh, they cost hundreds. <laughs> I'm a hundredaire. Um, but when you're, well, you know, when you're in, amongst the kind of, you know, the guys on the bottom rung, you see a lot of people who sort of lament that things aren't happening, but you, you go, what are you doing? Yeah. Nothing, man. They say nothing. It's too yeah. passive. You cannot be passive. You can't. You be passive now. I'm finding I have the other situation where it's like, now that I've got this, I have to be more choosy with things. And I have to get reminded by my reps to be like, you don't take everything. Yeah. You have to be choosy now. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling. It's unsettling. Does that, um, so clearly it feels unnatural. When it feels unnatural, is that healthy or unhealthy? What if you had that same, I guess it just, it, it, it doesn't make them want you. That's the whole, that's why you have a manager. Yeah, it's, it's, it's healthy, because I, 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 you know, if I'm honest, although as much as I want to work, you know, you do it, you have a good run of multiple years back-to-back -back of solid work, there gets to be times where you're like, I could take a break for a second. Yeah. And uh, your, your FOMO kicks in and says, no, you shouldn't take a break, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but there's also, life is in seasons. We live in seasons. Totally. It's, it's dark for a reason, because you're not supposed to stay up all the time. We don't see very well in the dark. 100%, and there's no, you do know, at, at a certain level, you do know good to your career by doing bad work, by just like, by doing anything, you increase the chances of just sort of like, I don't know, just becoming awash in sort of mediocre shit. And yeah. I don't, maybe some people like that. Some people just like in it for the money, in it for the recognition, whatever. I hope to leave a body of, of work that I'm proud of. And uh, that's, hard, that's very hard to do when you just sort of take everything. So it shifts. <laughs> so this is serendipity. You have a very clear philosophy about it. if you're not doing the work, it's not gonna happen for you. You increase your odds. That's all it is. You're just increasing your odds. I would come up with a great Vegas metaphor, but I think as evidenced by me going, craps, I don't do that very well. well I'll cut you I off. I'll save Vegas. you. I'll, I'll save you the pain. But my metaphor is very stupid. I think of myself, I think, I think, of one, think of oneself as an octopus. And I know this is not how octopi hunt or work, but you're floating in the ocean and you've got eight little tentacles and they're <laughs> floating around and if you're not using all eight tentacles, you don't have a higher chance of slurping onto something you're eating. But that's yeah. not how octopuses hunt. I know. For, for real, it, it's different. It's but way conceptually, different. It but works, conceptually, right? yeah. can you just picture an octopus like yeah, uh, floating? Yeah. Bleh. If your arms aren't out, you're certainly not going to hit anything. <laughs> you know, if you're only, you using, need, if you're only using three arms, you're kind of a bad octopus. You're not a good one. You can really use that with any, any animal. Though. Octopus is the only one that you can kind of use that with. Trust me, I've done a lot of research on yeah. this. Eight is the magic number. Eight is the maximum amount of appendages any creature can have. So squid is not. How many do a squid have? Like 40. Fuck. <laughs> Good research. It's more like a jellyfish, really, <laughs> yeah, to, take the, to take the floating allergy. But then it's okay, it more fun to be an octopod. Octopod, y'all. Octopodotrite. Um, so I, I think I generally subscribe to that. I, I, I find that the, that's a pattern 
if we can look at human behavior, that's uh, a pattern that creates or helps create success. What in your world that increases your odds of serendipity or it's hard work, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. What about when you've done that work mm -hmm. and it goes shitty? How do you keep the headspace? Because it's a requirement. And I'm not saying it's easy, but clearly you've done it. You yeah. did it, you did the hard work long enough to, to like as you said, I won't well, say success, we'll say fame, we'll say there's some thread. Yeah. You've been working for a few years straight and that's pretty good in your world. Well, that's in that world, yes, where I've had success. Mm -hmm. It's too, I, have, I want to walk a line here because I think, I think I've encountered people that have that delusion, right? The delusion that we talked about it, they have it in fucking spades. Okay. And if I evaluate their place in the industry, I would, if, I, if they really wanted my honest opinion, I would say, I think you'd be a lot happier doing something else. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to happen for you the way you want it to happen. Yeah. Uh, the current climate in the entertainment industry with so much streaming, so much internet, so much TV, there's a, there's a larger chance that you can just kind of at least get a few gigs to be in the game. Yeah. But there's, and, and conversely, different side of the same coin, um, Someone could say, hey kid, I don't think you should be in the game. They don't listen to them and they prove that person wrong. So yeah. I also want to hammer home the idea of like, fuck the haters, right? Yeah. However, you know, uh, I've just seen people latch onto this idea of what they think the dream is. They've got no encouragement from any, from any success to, to say from life to that person, you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And, and their reasons and their perception of what it is at the top of the mountain is just not even correct. Yeah. That it's kind of like, and, and, they, and then they live a, sad, a, a frustrated life and an anxiety riddled life and, and a life that's a bit angry. And you're like, you, you're not even happy. You don't even like this. Yeah. And you don't even, you don't, you're not even clear on the things that you should be liking. So that's why I say that. Um, but, but, but hardship's a part of it. Um, how to, how to bounce back from it? I, 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 don't, I don't know, I guess. It's so much, it's so weird. I feel like I'm so much more fragile after all this stuff. Wow. In early 20s, I, like nothing could have kept me away from it. Yeah. Um, but now, if I suffered some blow, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna do something else for a while. Or I, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe that's just like at peace, I have no idea. I yeah, don't know, or maybe because I know piece, I know yeah. too much. Uh -huh. You know, it's like yeah. I know. Well, that would be. Fun. Everything has to be more tactical, and you have to involve people and they help. I, I I don't know, but maybe I'm not answering your question. No, you maybe been, you need to repeat it. No, no, you've been. This it's all on. It's on brand. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> on brand the, for the show. The brand of uh, you, <laughs> and me asking you questions. Uh -huh. You talked about two of the things. You talked about environmental activism and you talked about sure. flying. Sure. Uh, the environmental activism, you, we talked earlier how easy it is to go down a dark hole because it's very... Um, outlook is it, not good. Yeah, outlook dangerous. Um, is there some, some organizations that you're a part of that you are excited yeah. about? And is there some stuff you want to share about that? I know you've made some investments. We talked about that. You know, yeah, you know, I think in this particular climate here within this these United States, at least for the f next three years, it's gonna be very hard to look to government to solve our issues, right? So mm -hmm. it's gonna be private sector and it's going to be 
donation-based, primarily in the, in the, by means of education and um, litigation, to be honest. That's why yeah. I like groups like Sierra Club and NRDC. I do, yeah. I do others, but yeah. they're larger entities that honestly tackle the problem with awareness and, and taking shit to court. Yep. Um, which is, is super, all you can, all we can do now is stall as much as we can until we get someone who actually believes in science and facts and yep. doesn't lie to us every single day. Yep. And organizations in particular, I think. NRDC and Sierra Club, those are, those are good ones. Cause Great. it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, you could do Rainforest Action Network, the River People, Greenpeace, you could do a yeah. lot. There's yeah. great, there's great organizations out yeah. there. But I always find when I say, hey, donate, be a monthly member to something, a lot of people's response is that's easy for you to say you're a fucking Verizon guy, right? But, <laughs> and, and, make, and they're right. I yeah. do Scrooge McDuck into a swimming pool full of gold coins, but they're chocolate. I'm not gonna break my fucking nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's guilt, um, but uh, but uh, I, I I I break it down in t in terms of like I always I always try and say like okay uh, t twenty if you if you want to say carve out twenty bucks a month for that that's mm. like two cocktails here in my life like yeah. if you can't sacrifice two cocktails for like the what greater bar are you going to the, to the greater good <laughs> I only go to exclusive Holly fancy ones I was thinking it was pretty cheap oh really. <laughs> LA kids, come yeah, on, we're gonna have a fun time. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, or come whatever, or like five, or like four coffees, right? Sure. Whatever, four yeah. lattes. Huh? And uh, you know, if you can't sacrifice that for like a greater Earth. cause, like I don't know, you have to look, maybe look at at your true altruism if you yeah. claim, if you, especially if you claim to be an altruistic person. But that's minor, you know. Mm -hmm. But it, it helps. The premise being, if everyone did that, we'd have a lot more money to battle entities like the Koch brothers, yeah. who love. They they side with the villain in Captain Planet. <laughs> That's who they identify with. Um, but uh, uh, it, it it becomes overwhelming. So I just you know those are good ones that I, yeah. I like to to, to to contemplate. But you know you do things outside of that. You know you sometimes use my social media platform for. I don't really have Instagram anymore. I think Twitter's the worst thing that ever happened to like our consciousness as a whole. And I hate Facebook, and so I deleted them all. Even though Instagram's kind of the same thing. So I'm a hypocrite. Who isn't? Um, <laughs> you know, you, you have a little bit of vocality. I also think it's important to change your own habits. Yeah. Again, if you can't change your own habits, how do you expect other people to do? I've given up nearly all meat. Uh, occasionally I'll have fish, and like at Thanksgiving I'm gonna have turkey, but outside of that I keep it down. Is Cows. That, is that Canadian Thanksgiving or is that American Thanksgiving? Dude, I can both? do both. I let myself do oh, both. Oh, that's an extra turkey. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, you know, I'm just saying it's, I mean, it's flexitarian. It's not 100% because yeah. if you have the 100% rule and you fail, you end up hating yourself and then you fall off the wagon because yeah. you've hate yourself so much. But it turns out cows, they fart a lot of methane. Mm -hmm. They shit a lot of untreated sewage. They they waller in their own shit. Then you go down this whole road of like, man, it sucks. That's, yeah. we're, pretty, we're pretty awful to, to critters. So walk the talk is basically what you're talking walk about. Walk the talk. Yeah. And uh, not everyone has uh, Hollywood cuck level of money, right. <laughs> snowflake dollars, let's yeah. call it. But you know, I, I do try and, you know, I've made some investments like solar desalination and uh, electric airplanes and I uh, do carbon offsetting when I'm flying my own airplane, you know, you know yeah. spread it around. <sighs> Drive a bolt. Nice. See every man's Tesla. And uh, yeah, walk the talk. But uh, it, it, it's pretty, I, I, my, my view on it, when you really get bogged down in the scientific effects of hear of everybody's projections, yeah. and then you look around and see this is what everybody's doing, it does not line up. Yeah. 
But my view on the whole thing is I'm going to go down swinging. Yeah. If I have the mentality of I'm going to get to Hollywood and be a famous asshole, then I'm going to do what I can because that's better than just saying, like, fuck it, let the world burn, yeah. I think. It, it helps me live better inside. Beautiful. Flying. Flying. What, is there a part of uh, why fly? I mean, I, 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 under, I, I don't know. Yeah. Why fly? <laughs> why not, man? Why not, bro? Do you get it? Here, take this. That's right. Here, drink up, man. I'll tell you how to fly. Um, no, why? That's a very. I don't know. Why fly? I don't, I don't I, mind any private, private pilots. I got. I know I, people I, have planes here. Yeah, but, uh, people have planes. Um, I, I sort of, you know, I got into aviation uh, early twenties. I mean, I got into it a through my love of history and military history and learning about like World War II and like Spitfires and Messerschmitts and stuff. And then getting into like simulators, like I have a very robust joystick simulator setup wow. at home. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for real. Uh, uh, I wish I had gotten into it like five years earlier because if I'd have been 15 and into aviation, Canada has things called, uh, an entity called the Air Cadets, which is kind of like Boy Scouts for the Air Force, I guess. Oh, wow. Not to say that I would have joined, but I could have got some time yeah. up in the air and like, I don't know, experienced it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got my license, had to overcome a lot of motion sickness, could only go up for like 10 minutes at a time before oh, wow. like having to <laughs> settle down. Wow. And now, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's so fun. The United States is a great place to fly. You know, a lot of opportunity for private pilots to just get in their plane and go somewhere. Yeah. There's a lot of small airports around. Uh, being in the Southwest is perfect. There's like, it's nearly never a, a bad, bad time yeah. for weather-wise. Um, what about costs? I think there's a lot of folks at home. My understanding is that it's actually more affordable than you think, and so people have, they, it's actually doable, but again, affordable, let's just acknowledge that there's a very broad spectrum of people who listen to the show. So, exactly. So just exactly. keep that in mind. But I will try and take it out of it just um, sounds It just Hollywood sounds fancier. Brick. Yeah, I think it sounds fancier than yeah. it actually is, yeah. so maybe you can shine some light on that for us. Okay, no problem. Uh, depending on where you are, mm -hmm. uh, LA is always going to be more expensive than uh, but fuck nowhere. Uh, not to take away from Buttfuck Nowhere, but you're looking at like a good chunk of money to learn how to get your pilot's license. You know, you have to invest probably around minimum 10,000 bucks, okay. which is a lot, right? Yeah, That's just sure. being honest. And you can invest it over what period of time? However long it takes. There you go. That's my point. I took, I got my pilot's license in a year, but there's people that, that you know, pace themselves over multiple years to take it. Um, you can buy your own plane for the price of a car, you know, $20,000, $35,000. I would strongly recommend that, you do that the ANP does <laughs> a lot of work to it. <laughs> yes. But there's also this whole category in the United States called experimentals. And if you have a well-made, professionally built experimental, you, you can save yourself some money. I, I, I'm, I'm, too many people depend on me for their livelihood, so I'm yeah. going to buy a certified aircraft. You can also do uh, shared ownership you and some friends, or you can buy a share in an already existed sort of pairing, and buy, and everybody's owning this one aircraft. There are also flying clubs where you just essentially, you maybe pay a monthly, or you rent it, kind of, but at the member rate. Um, those, are, those are different in the sense that you have to schedule it. There'll probably be some online schedule where you book it for a weekend, and that's totally fine. If you can afford an airplane, I tell you, it is pretty sweet to just be like, I wanna go here today. And you drive to the airport, you take it out, you start it up, and you go. 
Um, that's very, very fun. But it's not insane. Uh, if, you look at, if you just look at million dollar aircraft, which there are plenty, and go, how can I afford that? Yes, that becomes insane. But go on controller or trade a plane, and you'll see there's plenty of planes that are not that much. So why fly? Go back to the original question. What it's, is it? Is it freedom? Is it just, is it, is it escapism? Uh, is it joy? Is it travel? I like a lot of, I like a lot of it, including the, the going through checklists and switching things and starting it up and yeah. checks and all that. I, li I like that even. Wow. I like the look of planes. I like the propellers and the sounds and uh, the history and all that. I like the radio jargon, you know, like you know, White Man Tower, November 95, Foxtrot Delta, you know. We'll with, do that with, again. That was, with India yeah. at the North Hangars ready for a taxi to runway one, two. Go ahead, uh, Whiteman Tower, 905 Foxtrot Delta, taxi one, taxi one, two via Alpha. I like all that stuff, right? <laughs> I love that. What just happened? I know, I know, exactly. When you're first learning it, you're hearing the radio, you're like, I, can't, I have no idea what anyone's saying. Yeah. And then you get used to it and you can pick out everything. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the rules. I love rules and, and the, the charts and the airspace and all that kind of stuff. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And there is nothing, there is something pretty cool about just getting up in the air. It's different than driving, you know? You're dealing with all the, all the, all the axis, yeah. right? Three-dimensional. Oh, it's 3D, dude. <laughs> and you can go any, you can go to places. I mean, I went, to, up, I went to Zion National, National Park. I would have never gone, no, not for lunch, but for like a few days. And I, never, I probably wouldn't have gone there if I had to drive the eight hours or whatever it would have taken. Maybe longer, I don't know. But I did, and it was absolutely beautiful. Or I'd go up to San Francisco next time Silicon Valley goes, I'm going I'm to fly there. And there's Please. just there's nothing cool. I shot a Verizon spot at San Bernardino Airport. I flew to work. <laughs> I taxied up. I yeah. got a fucking van. I got driven to set. That, I can't express to you how baller that felt. <laughs> I, I squealed. Having a whole bottle. He got not as bottle. That's premium. <laughs> no, I was like taxiing to the thing. I was like squealing alone in my cockpit at like you know six in the morning. It was cool. And there's there's scary situations. Yeah. You know, I would just recently got caught in some turbulence and I was bumping all around. Wind shear. Wind shear. Wind shear. That's a real thing. Yeah. I learned that almost the hard way. Ooh. And uh, you know bumping around in the air in the airports and like kind of making a sketchy landing where you can slide over the place or making a greaser and you yeah. slide on in and you navy it, they say. Navy it? Yeah, because you because in the navy, navy they... It. Yeah, yeah, I get it. We're in Greece, you know, I like the grease, grease. And anyway, you know, get in there. You know, you, when you're good at it, some, some, days, some days you're really good at it. Some days you get behind and you, it's a little frustrating, but some days you're really good at it and that feels good too. Is it in part, it sounds very involved to me, which is like there's yes. a lot of licensing and rules uh -huh. and, and... And systems? Yeah, systems and... And aircraft and equipment and fear and danger. There's risks. So you're like you're. Sure. Are, are all of these things? This is a personal question. Feel free to ignore it, except you have to answer it. <laughs> Do you? Is this a thing that is just very? It's very comprehensive. It very it it it, it uh, excites a lots of parts of you. It's involved and it is is it related to your profession? Is it a way, it's like all this thing that will just, I can just get in here and get lost in it? And it's sort of a beautiful- I can get lost in it. I would say maybe there's some qualities that overlap in terms of profession, mm -hmm. but to me, I view it as escape. Yeah, well that's actually what I mean. So yeah. not like I get over, and I can just get in here and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's always yeah, charts, yeah. there's always a new license, there's always yes. another airport to discover, yes. a new place to fly. Yes, and just, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an opportunity to daydream. Yeah. And, I've, and, and live the daydream, because yeah. I'm a bordering video game 
addict. Okay. <clears throat> At times, I would say full-blown addict. Okay. And now it's a little bit more under control. And that was always an escapism that I really liked. It's a solo world that you can go. Maybe you have friends, but you, you don't even see them. You just hear them. And I love video games, but the downside to video games is that you have this experience, but it only exists... It's done when you stopped. It, you don't have anything tangible. It's a yeah. memory. And probably because you play so much, it's not even a clearly defined memory. Um, but you know, going, having a passion out that is more tangible um, is, is, is a much more visceral experience. For a while, I got into woodworking. I'm by no means Nick Offerman, but I made a few pieces. And I was, it was really exciting, because you did this thing. You listen to podcasts as you're making all the measurements. At the end, you got a table or something. It's really it's neat. Yeah. I, I think it's you know to only to only do acting or to only do comedy, especially comedy. Comedy, you're supposed to be a mirror. That whole, art is supposed to be a mirror upon which life gets reflected back onto itself. And if you haven't experienced life or other elements of life, I don't know how you can be a deep artist or comedian, yeah. right? Like, how, what, what are you going to comment on? Yeah. You can't just do bits about comedy. That's boring. Right. You know, you have bits about relationships or life or various things. Not that I've got 40 minutes of private pilot material. <laughs> not Ooh, that that God, happens. he kills. No, wow, yeah. that private pilot <laughs> No, not... <laughs> Wait till I get on my FAA rant. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, you're getting close to the end of that water, yeah. so I'm going to let you have to hook. I, um, is there, like, I, you've been both really gracious and given advice and also sort of walked around it a little bit. Is there anything, like, there are a lot of people who watch and listen, mostly. A lot of people? Yeah. Are we talking 2,000 no. subscribers? What's the number? <laughs> We're in the 25 to 30 million download range. So, oh. so Potatoes. Potatoes and peanuts. But conceptually, is, like, you've both, like, been really willing to give advice on some particular things you've also and and you've also been reluctant so what oh have i yeah, a little bit oh, a little, okay. little bit let's just like well to each his own i thought i've been yappering you know yappering you been, <laughs> but is Not there any word. like you have a thing you you've you've done some great stuff is there a sort of a theme that if you're talking to other folks just pretend that there are a lot of people listening who are looking for some, some, <laughs> some piece of inspiration to help them get over the next sort of hurdle. And you've talked a lot about, like, don't be too optimistic because you're about to get... You know, but that's my... Well, I understand. But you have to be also at the same okay. time. How do you measure expectations but while still Bingo. expecting that you want it? Having, expecting that you'll get having it. A, yeah, believing in yourself. Confidence and expectations. Yeah. Uh, uh, that is a great question. If I had the answer to that, I'd be a much happier individual. <laughs> and I wouldn't need to take my daily Lamotrigin, as previously discussed. Uh, this is, you're buying time here. It's great. I'm, well, watching the, I'm watching the sketch comedy in action. <laughs> <laughs> my hilarious comedy routines. How do you? I think everybody's figuring that out. Uh, uh, but uh, in terms of what's going on lately, you've got to have some confidence in yourself. I mean... Truth be told, I, I love a good self-deprecation, and I love to rec and I love to point out faults in my performance. That's a favorite pastime of mine. But in the end, I think I'm. I think if you ask me if it's just me in the room, I think I'm pretty good. You're by yourself right now. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good. 
I think there's room for improvement, but I welcome the challenges to improve. I think it's a mentality switch, as we talked about earlier, of seeing those challenges and welcoming that because either you will learn from your failure or you will fucking beat the challenge and that will feel very, very good. But if you see these challenges as of guaranteed opportunities for failure, it's very hard to stay above the water on that. Yeah. That's an arduous path you've chosen for yourself. And there's been plenty of times, even lately, where I've been backstage. I did this, I hosted BlizzCon recently. It was a fucking mess. And I remember, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This, like, midway through, like, this, is, this is bad. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and, you know, but in the end, you know, it's a challenge you learn, you know, you can't all be, you can't all be like batting a thousand baseball matter of war. Um, but, you know, that's not going to shake me. That's not. Um, in my mind, I deserve to, to be here. And in, in my mind, I, I think those challenges are fights, little fights that you do that um, with my warrior mentality <laughs> I shall vanquish um, but you know you gotta you're gonna have downs you're gonna have dips I mean Jesus you know like shed many a tear wrung many a hand over this business and over my p place not only within this business but life I mean uh, life gets me down a lot lately um, that's another that's another fun thing about getting older is you just have more perspective and your cone of vision sees more and you just go oh god I wish I could unsee I wish yeah. my I wish I had tunnel vision again because yeah. this sucks you take a, a wider swath of the world and take it all into account it's a bummer but you also get that within the career you know yeah. if you uh, whatever visualization sometimes I see it as a ladder you know you climb each rung climb each little bit of success and as now that you're now that you're higher up you see more or you see where you once were and all the things that you thought you needed then are inconsequential you've realized I'm off topic but uh, oh, this, is, this is beautiful <laughs> it is it's like it's how to live in this state that we're all attached to whether we acknowledge it or not and especially if you're trying to do something that scares you which we encourage everyone to do because that's part of the you know the, the obstacle is the way yeah yeah and you everybody everybody is in the pursuit of happiness everyone's trying to get their happiness and you know my, a lot of my pursuit of happiness has nothing to do with this career yeah I mean it's Marriage is a bitch. Like it's it's great and it's hard. Like yeah. just that is enough. That's a full time job, right? So kids, I can't even imagine. Fuck that yeah. shit. I plan on removing my testicles tomorrow. I have no kids. I to, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe who knows? I if there's a mistake, I don't know. That's for a, what it's worth. <laughs> not required. Oh you really? <gasps> <gasps> shit! I gotta cancel the appointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like five thousand down payment. It sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> not refundable. Not refundable. The doctor's a bit of a shyster. Um, yeah, but there's all, all these other things, but everyone's in the pursuit of happiness. And, and, and it goes back to some of the stuff I touched on earlier. If this thing's genuinely year after year after year not getting you happy, not getting you happy, whatever your pursuit is, I mean, there's, there's something to be said for determination and there's something to be said for insanity. Yeah. Right? And some people, some people do the thing they thought they were meant to do on the weekend. Yeah. I daydream about me being... 15 years old, signing up to Air Cadets, and being a fucking Kiowa helicopter pilot. I daydream about that. It's killer. <laughs> I daydream about that. I also daydream about 
1940, me being like part of the Spitfire Squadron and defending the cliffs of Dover. I can do that virtually on the weekend, and I can, and I can do the other thing on the weekend because I did this thing that ho that now affords me to. Right? Yeah. You don't always have to be the professional race driver. You yeah. can be uh, a CPA who has a reasonably priced uh, GT that yeah. he races in the open circuit. Yeah. And you find you may not be absolutely 100% passionate about the thing that you kind of have to do, but take it from me, who got the thing that he wanted. It's the dream. I'm living the dream. Some days suck. Not every day I'm jacking off in a fucking orgy and everybody's paying me more money than I can imagine and, think, and agents are like, what part in Hollywood do you want? You know, Even in the thing that I'm happy, there's arduousness, there's things, there's days you go, I can't believe it's normal to work minimum 12 hours in this business. I don't have a life. It's, I get to do this thing, but I always thought performing was started at 8 p.m., but here I am, it's five in the morning and I'm trying to do a scene. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> It's so weird, and plus you meet people who are terrible. I've met terrible, terrible people. Yeah. Awful people, mean people, inconsiderate people. You meet trolls in this business, terrible trolls. Yeah. Thing, people that make you go, God, humanity is dark, and you're, you're all kinds of damaged, and look at all the broken pieces that are falling off you. It's crazy. My point is, you gotta find your happiness, and, you, you, you ha and as long as you don't have to fuck people over to get it, it's, it's very worthwhile pursuing. There is no better end to an interview <laughs> than that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, ladies I and gentlemen. I, didn't, I, didn't, I hope I didn't crawl up my own ass just then. No, you crushed it. It was amazing. <laughs> um, folks at home, thanks, Thomas. Really appreciate it. And I'll probably see you again maybe tomorrow. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow. I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.